Welcome to the Latinas Rising Up in HR podcast. I'm Priscilla Guasso. And I'm your host, Angelica Fatman. In season one, we will be having intimate chats with the authors of this Amazon bestseller. My vision for this book was to create a community where Latina HR professionals are seen and recognized for the journeys that led to where they are today. With each episode, the authors will be sharing copies of their keys that open the doors to their personal and professional success. May their stories inspire you and encourage you to rise up in your own journey. Our guest this week is Valerie Hope. Valerie is a leadership coach and professional speaker with more than 20 years of HR experience. Her HR path included the International Leadership Program Up With People, the Dallas Regional Chamber of Commerce, and the Hyatt Hotels and Resorts Corporation. In 2018, she established her company Connect to Joy LLC, where her thought-provoking questions and unique strategies empower people from all walks of life. And as you'll see, Valerie is very passionate about the OMG Your Talents, and she'll share them with us in this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please pronounce your name and your pronouns. My name is Valerie Hope, and my pronouns are she and her. Thank you. And are you ready for an icebreaker? <gasps> Let's break it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to let the audience know that I was just asked this about two seconds ago by Valerie and I loved it. So now we're going to use this icebreaker. What is your favorite day of the weekend? (laughs) My favorite day of the weekend. Well, on this particular weekend, my favorite day was Saturday, but not because I think when you shared, it was like, because it still gives you a little bit of wiggle room, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You still have Sunday to enjoy. But last night, uh, we had, we do these interviews, like almost podcasts from our family mm-hmm. and I'm the interviewer and I got to interview my younger brother and it's almost like a family talk show. So, um, so that's, and we've been thinking and planning for it forever. He's been postponing it and <laughs> finally locked him down. So I said, we need to do it in March. And of mm-hmm. course he picks the last weekend in the month. And so we finally did it. So my f- favorite day this weekend was Saturday for that reason. Mm, I love that. And tell me more about these family interviews. Are they just so that your family can have them to look back on? Yeah, yeah. My dad was actually the person that kind of inspired them. He's, you know, he's in his 70s and he wants to, he wants everybody to know and connect with one another. And one of the things that we've been doing some family gatherings on Zoom and things like that, because we're spread out all over. And his concern was, you know, we have 30 people on the screen. You don't really get to know anybody. And so when he shared that, I was like, okay, dad, if you want people to get to know everyone, can we do these interviews? We call them get to know you and getting to know you in 20. So I solicit 20 questions from our relatives for this person. And he was the first one that went. So, so my dad went first. I asked him the 20 questions that were asked. And then my, he pointed to his youngest sister. And so she was the person I interviewed. I got 20 questions from the relatives. And what we've been doing is ever since my dad he and I just did it on Zoom like this one-on-one. But then with my aunt, she was like, yeah, let's open it up. And so we actually had people come in. We put them all on mute. And so it was like, it became like this talk show. And last night we had 10 relatives and my brother, who's the, the he was the third one. And so now, he, and then the, the guest actually gets to pick who the next person is. Like, was, who would you like to get to know? 
And it's been so fun. And it's just an, an opportunity for us to learn and see other aspects of the people that we love and care about, but we sometimes don't know very well. That's so fascinating. I think you've raised a really good point. And even as I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, I kind of want to do that for my family because yeah. we we sometimes think that we know our family, but when we get down to it, we may not. So yeah. thank you for sharing that with us. I hope other people will be inspired to do that and get to know their family on a deeper level because it really, and then you can have those recordings as well. Exactly. And you know, it's so funny because, so we, it's only for the family. So we don't post it on social media or anything like that, but we do post it and share it so that everyone, and we have probably like 40 people, 50 people on this WhatsApp chat. And we're like, okay, you know, next up we have this person, but here's so-and-so's recording. And then, you know, they're able to connect. Hopefully after the fact, they can then go back and reach out. Hey, I heard you say this in your interview. I want to know more about that. And then also the other piece is like knowing that we're not alone because mm-hmm. there are things that my dad shared that my brother had a very similar experience, but my dad never knew. And oh, my wow. brother didn't know, you know, they're just things that they didn't share. And for whatever reason, it's like, oh man, you know, all the things that we miss sometimes because we don't ask that one extra question. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I think for me, it's always fascinating what, how much we are very much alike to our family, yet we don't always realize it. And sometimes, you know, it is that question of just asking and getting to know the person on a deeper level. So thank you for sharing that. And on the lines of family, tell me about somebody in your family who inspires you and why. Hmm, who inspires me? I would say my six-year-old niece, Rosa. <laughs> She inspires me. Actually, yeah, she just turned six. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she just turned six last month. So I got to make sure I got my facts straight. And one of the things that really inspires me about her, she's at that age and has the personality where she's always finding what makes her happy, right? If there's something that she's like, mm, no, I don't want that. She knows she could please someone by saying, yeah, sure. But she's not old enough to know that that's like polite or expected. She doesn't have that sense of obligation. And case in point, I took, so my commitment is I love doing things with my nieces and nephews. I don't have any children. So that's, that's, these are my kids. Mm-hmm. And so for their birthday, I take each of them out separately. Um, my, the, the, I have nine nieces and nephews, but only five of them live here in the Dallas area where I live. And so I, I took Rosa out for her birthday last month, just a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I was like, going to go all like, Tia Valerie special. We're going to go to like this really cool, you know, fast food Lebanese joint where you can get good front, you know, French fries, but also some hummus and like other sophisticated. Mm-hmm. I want to introduce her to sophisticated cuisines, you know, but like low bar stuff. Um, the food was great. The food was not low bar, but just, you know, casual atmosphere. And so she's like, okay. <laughs> and then I like had all the samplers of all this, you know, deep fried this and, you know, things that I thought a kid would like. And she's like, mm, I just want the fries. <laughs> I was like, oh, but you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I think at that age, um, we have the freedom to say what's on our mind and what's true for us without like thinking, oh, my, my aunt just took me out to dinner. I have to say yes, because she bought all this stuff. Like there was none of that. It was just simply, no, I just like the fries. <laughs> and then, you know, we wanted to go someplace else. And I said, you know, what would you like? She says, someplace with toys and candy. <laughs> um, 
Target? Yeah, let's go to Target. <laughs> and we had the best time. Just her walking up and down the aisles looking for what kind of candy she wanted to buy. And it was so cute. And I'm like, it inspires me that she really embraces the freedom. And part of, I think, my role is to, how can I help her maintain that level of freedom? So that she doesn't grow up having to feel that everything that other people expect from her is the thing to do, or she makes them feel bad or, you know, Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want to really continue to, to nurture that for myself too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It brings me joy. Yeah. Thank you for sharing her with us. And I think that's a great point about kind of beating to our own drum and being okay with that. And, and sometimes we can start whether we're her age or we're our age, you know, and I think that's something that stuck out to me in your story and the Latinas rising up in HR book was this, you know, pivot in your career and how you had this particular vision that you wanted to get this certain role at a certain time, but it didn't work out that way. So tell us a little bit about that journey and what you learned about kind of retuning your drum almost to be in another way and then eventually finding your way back. Yeah. Well, the, the challenges in that particular experience, I was already in a specialty, so to speak. I was doing recruitment and hiring and we, you know, the economy started to tank and because the organization saw the writing on the wall, they were like, stop all recruiting, stop all hiring. And eventually it was like, uh, Valerie, we don't have a job for you. So let's have you find something else. So I didn't have, I didn't have a particular aim, like, oh, I want to be a human resources director. I actually was really clear that I didn't want to, because I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to connect with people, not necessarily the administrative management side of things. And, um, but I also didn't, I, I wanted a job. <laughs> I wanted a job with the people that I liked and, and trusted and I'd, ex- you know, spent all these years with. And so at that moment that the pivot really was, Hey, do I, do I, can I make it work here? And having a conversation with my boss about a potential role, knowing that I didn't want to be an HR director, but the role was, you know, it was an assistant HR director. So he wanted someone that really wanted to become an HR director so that they can continue to move. You know, he can continue to, he could continue to develop the person. And so what was fascinating though, is, and I think this works for everything in life, Angelica, I don't think it's necessarily just in career, but the pivot doesn't happen because the role changes. I think what pivoted was my mindset. I said, okay, I may not be interested in that role, but what can I bring to this role that I could, you know, that could leverage not only what I need in order to fulfill my goals, but also to fulfill his goals in developing somebody. And so what that looked like was my mindset shifted to, okay, what are the strengths that I bring, just inherent strengths that I can apply that would enhance and leverage, all of those would be leveraged in the role. And then how can I develop the people that I'm working with so that they continue to then be more relevant and be more effective? And and then, you know, of course I made him offer, I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> I'm like, don't even give me a raise. Don't, you know, you don't even have to change my title, I told him. Just give me, give me a chance. Give me six months and in a, in a down economy, like music to his ear. It's just like, oh, I don't have to, no change in my payroll, no change in my, you know, I didn't have to do any of that stuff. Um, and I stayed there for a year and a half because it really worked. And he, I think both of our mindsets changed 
And those, these kind of challenges in the economy don't always have to be a setback. It's a setup, as, as Steve Harvey likes to say, it's a setup for a comeback. Mm, I love that. And how, how do you recommend people go about like either being coming more aware of their mindset in the first place and mm. then changing it? Because I think, you know, even just reading your story, I, you know, when you were talking about, you had this great interview, you, you were going to get that job. Then the economy, you know, took a tumble down and then it was, well, now what? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, a lot of times people kind of get stuck in that, well, now what phase? Yes. So how do you recommend, you know, whether it's our listeners or just people who are reading the book, really dig their way out of that and become aware of, of their mindset and, and keep growing up? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's so funny. I totally forgot. I'm like, oh yeah, I had interviewed for that job. <laughs> that, that, that was the job that I wanted. Oh yeah. <laughs> but again, I think it just goes to show that when you, when we make a commitment to whatever the, the, our mindset will determine the direction in which we go. And it was no longer like, oh, poor me. I didn't get the job that I wanted. Oh, I didn't get the role. Um, a big influence for me has been other people. I'm a strong, strong proponent that we all have a circle of influ- influencers of people that matter, but we've got to be strategic about it. And in the, in my case, in that situation, I talk to people in my family. You can already hear how important my family is to me. You know, they inspire me, they challenge me, they, you know, all of these things. And it so happened that by speaking to one of my brothers, who's very strategic minded, he started to challenge my idea that I don't want a job that's going to set me up for something I don't want to do. And he's like, well, how can you bring what you can do and what you like to do to light in this role? So that perspective would never have come had a, I'm not, I've not shared what I was up to and how I felt about it. So I think step one is a, just share with people what's on your mind mm-hmm. and share with the right person, right? The person that, you know, will either listen without judgment the person that you know might listen, but challenge and love, <laughs> right? Or the, my, the person that might listen and also continue to push you forward. Like, okay, go for it, do it. And I think those are the people that um, we sometimes miss because A, we're either so tunnel vision and like, oh, I don't want to share with anybody what my plans are, or I feel embarrassed about it, or there's some sense of shame, or perhaps a little arrogance. Who knows? I had all three of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, but my, you know, it's easier to share with family. And I think once we get into the right, we get the right conversation going in the right, with the right person, the resources then start to show up because the more trusted people you share, Hey, here's my goal. Here's where I'm stuck. The more options you have, we are not able to get out of any mindset by just sticking, like doubling down on what we know. There's usually some input from someone else, a book, a, con- a connection. Here's a conference. Check out this webinar. Look at this video. Listen to this podcast. And that all of a sudden pops a new idea into our mind. So that's the biggest advice. Curate a really impactful circle of influencers. That's powerful advice. And I hope our listeners are taking that to heart because that's right. You know, sometimes I know for me and myself, I've definitely done that where I just try to put my head down and, and, keep working at something that maybe is not meant for me anymore, Mm -hmm. or it's just not the right direction at this point. And so really being open to being vulnerable is is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And with people who love you, whether that's your family or your community, 
and really allowing them to show up for you. So I think that's super important. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just, it's funny, as you said that back to me, um, when you mentioned being vulnerable, first of all, being vulnerable, I think is a bit overplayed sometimes Mm -hmm. and not overplayed because of the importance. I think overplayed because of the context. What I mean by that is at least in my, my listening vulnerability implies sharing a weakness of some sort, sharing some maybe private emotion, right? So there's, that's just in my listening of it. But I want to invite people to consider that what I'm talking about is less about like bearing your soul and more about being transparent. Hmm. Because we tend to keep our strategies to ourselves if we're not certain that it's going to pan out or if we think somebody's going to get jealous, or if we think that people are going to think it's dumb or whatever, right? We tend, that's what I'm talking about. Those strategies that we're forming, share your strategy with somebody. Just air it out. (laughs) Just see how other people, hey, look, here's what I'm thinking. I'm not really sure if it's going to work. And then you get some, you know, people reflect back to you. Um, so, so when I say vulnerability is played out, I think it's the connotation sometimes about like, oh, burying my soul and opening my heart which I don't mean to, <laughs> to sound like is not important, but I think in the world of, of, in the professional world, people are reticent. They're really hesitant to do that, but because they're probably listening for like the more private version of that, I'm saying be transparent with your strategy. Mm-hmm. So it is a form of vulnerability. Yes. And it also gives people a little bit more range of what they can share. So the option is not like open up completely or like, Mm, closed. I don't know, does that make yeah. sense, Angelica? That does. And I think okay. that's a good way to think about it is being transparent because you're right. We don't always share what's going on in our heads with our strategies. We, yeah. you know, it's sometimes easier to share how we're feeling versus what's really going on um, inside. So thank you for clarifying that. Cause even as I was listening, I'm like, that is so true. Like I can tell you how I feel, but you won't know why I feel the way I feel because I'm going to keep that to myself. That's yes. And I'm so glad you said that because I'm like, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I yeah, love it's not just that. feeling. Oh, I feel lonely or I feel like, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> but for someone to be able to share, wow, I've been trying to find a job for the last X amount of months and nothing's come up. And the only way I've done is like applying on Indeed or looking mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and you share that with me, then I'm like, okay, here's what I think could be you know, could be part of that's missing, right? That's a whole different conversation. It takes it down a whole different path than just commiserating or perhaps trying to cheer somebody up or whatever other things we do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, being transparent really helps people understand what the problem is and really helps like help people help you as that phrase goes. So thank you for sharing that. And One thing that you talked about in your story was about, you know, and I even heard it a little bit ago was about owning your strengths Mm -hmm. and you had, um, a little acronym of OMG. Yeah. Can you share what that means with our listeners and why that's so important? Yeah. So OMG, the acronym stands for own master and give away your talents. Really? That's what the, the, the context is giving owning, mastering and giving away your talents. And kind of reflecting back some of the, what I've shared already, some of the the journey that I've had in my career, I found that when we know what we're 
here I'm going to be very careful about when I say when we're good at something, when we're talented, I'm not referring to, well, I've been trained to do this and I've done it for 25 years. And so I'm really good at that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking own your talent from the perspective of the talent being the thing that lights you up, that when you do it, you could do it for hours, that you like to find ways to be creative with it because you just enjoy it so much. You get so much fulfillment from it. That's what I'm talking about. That's a talent. And part of the owning comes because in my experience, not only mine, but also in working the, the coaches that I've worked with, the clients that I've had, sometimes we take for granted the things that we love and fulfills us the most are the things that we devote the least amount of time and energy to. Because we're like, oh, it's, it's not a big deal. I mean, I always, I always kind of do that. It's always been my thing. And we have this very... Not all of us, but I've heard in some of my clients very dismissive conversations about things that they're innately good at. Mm -hmm. And so, so here's the trick though. When you own it, the fact that, hey, I'm actually quite talented in this area doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best at it, but it comes innately, right? It's something that you're natural. What generally follows that is a natural curiosity and a natural willingness to then master it, which is the M. Mm-hmm. And mastering them would be, hey, get a coach, find a course, practice it, like do whatever it takes to get better and better and better at it. And then ultimately, the purpose I think that we've been given these talents, or another word for talent would be gift, is so that we can give it away. That's what the G stands for. So now that you've you've actually accepted and owned what it is that you've been given, You've taken the time and energy to really strengthen it, to polish it up, to make sure that it's like show ready. Mm-hmm. And now you want to give it to someone that could actually benefit from it. And the, the challenge, I think, in our society, sometimes we don't find creative ways to give our gift. Right. It's one thing to be like, oh, I love doing this, so I'm going to do it because I enjoy it and I get so much out of it. But who can you teach this gift to? Who might? You know, who might benefit from from getting a finished product because it's something that you do in 30 minutes, whereas they would take three days. You know, like how can you make that come to fruition? So I'll give you a, a small example. So when I started my business three years ago, one of the reasons that I didn't want to start my own business initially was because you kind of heard it when I talked about being an HR director. I'm like, oh, I don't want to administer stuff like payroll and like be responsible for like you know, legal stuff and, you know, like all the stuff that I needed to set up. Didn't want to have to do all, with all that stuff. Luckily, <laughs> I had been learning and developing this idea of curating circle of influencers. And when I shared with people my strategy and what was holding me back from actually taking that step, oh my goodness, Angelica, people came from the woodwork. I have yeah. a friend who's a CPA who's like, let me show you how to set up an LLC. Here, well, he walked me through step-by-step. Another friend of mine, QuickBooks, no worries. I'll gift you a subscription and I'll spend as much time as I need to help you set it up. Cool. My younger brother, who is an um, artist, he doesn't even do this as a, for a living, but I know his, he's gifted. I said, hey, I'm thinking about a logo and here's what I have in mind. Can you come up with something? He's the one that designed my logo. And then I had another friend digitize it because he's not, a, my brother is more analog. <laughs> this other person was able to put it in a, a digital form. But had they not been willing to give their gift, I wouldn't have a business right now. 
Wow. And you know, what sticks out, and, and when I first read that in the book was, I almost had to check myself because I'm like, wait, give away, <laughs> you know, like there's this, like, there's almost this like scarcity mindset that's in a lot of us, you know, and, and sometimes it can be deeply cultural, you know, as Latinas and Lat- the Latinx community, sometimes it can feel mm. like we work so hard for what we get. Why would we give it away? So, you know, when I read that, I'm like, wait, what? Like, give it away. Like, that's, but listening to you now, I'm like, wow, that is so true. Like, we never know how giving it, giving away something to someone could actually change their lives. Yes. I, and I love that you mentioned this idea that the scarcity mindset is what generally drives us not wanting to be that generous with our gift. And look, to be clear, I'm still a business person. When I say give it away, I'm not saying sell it for cheap or, <laughs> or you know, donate everything to anyone that asks for it. No, we can still be strategic about that, right? I, in case in point, I remember right as I, I started my business and I was maybe like three or four months in and something that I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a leadership coach and a professional speaker, but in my work at Hyatt, I actually did that. That was my career. And so I got a salary for giving my gift away, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) I got a salary for it. So I never had to bargain and negotiate. And I was just like, oh, giving it to whoever, because I got my salary coming next month, right? (laughs) This month. Well, when I, when I left Hyatt and I had to start my own business a few months in, I remember like, oh my gosh, now I have to like negotiate who I give my gift to. And that was really hard. Because A, to your point, I was like, I, I need to make money. But at the same time, like, I really just want to do what I love. Mm-hmm. How do I reconcile those two? So I go to this uh, brunch, this group called Latinas Who Brunch, actually. And there was a speaker. And I remember sitting at this table. And there were a lot of young professionals sitting around me. And during the meal break, I overheard. I wasn't even part of this conversation. But I overheard a couple of ladies talking about, oh, my gosh, I really wish I had a mentor in like high school or college to teach me some of the stuff we're learning today because my parents, neither of them were college educated and neither of them were in professional or corporate environments. So I had to kind of figure it out as I went. And culturally, sometimes it was challenging to connect with other counterparts who didn't share the same values or the same family, you know, the, 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 the cultural identity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just overheard that conversation and I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, I'm from Panama. I'm, I'm an immigrant. I came to this country when I was nine years old and I've been given so many opportunities. There's been so many privileges that I've had access to that I thought, well, I should be one of those mentors because I've been in these, in these places. I've been in these spaces and heck, I'm a coach and a speaker. I teach people like, huh. So I reached out to a mentor of mine. And I shared my strategy with her. I said, Hey, look, here's what I think is missing. I need a place to give my gift. Who do you know that works with Latinos or who works with immigrant community where I can give this gift? And she connected me with a program here in Dallas is a college readiness program for seventh to 12th graders. 60, 70% of the population of those young people are from immigrant or refugee families from all over the planet. And I teach public speaking and, and, professionalism and coach, you know, I coach them and mentor them. And it's been so beautiful. Actually, my very first speaking gig, my first paid speaking gig came from another mentor who saw me give my gift. 
And he was like, hey, I have another group that I think would love some of the stuff you're teaching. Do you do this for other groups? And I'm like, for a fee. (laughs) (laughs) So when people see you give your gift and you're giving it freely, A, you're doing it at the highest level because it's something you love already. So you're shining. People see you in your light. You've developed and mastered those skills because, you know, you've owned it, you're mastering it. And as you're giving it away, people now get to see, oh my gosh, I want that. And they're willing to pay for it. And I knew once I had an outlet for giving my gift, you don't, you're not always going to get a reciprocal uh, experience. Who you give to is not always going to be the person that you get from. It's kind of like a circle. So who you get from, you might get from someone else. And I know people are listening. They can't see my hand gesture, but I'm very animated here. But your, your, your right hand might be giving where your left hand is receiving. Hmm. And that way you don't know who is going to get the message, who's going to be impacted, who's going to benefit from. That's why I say give freely, but be strategic about who you give to. Hmm, yeah, I feel like we've just been getting like a free leadership coaching session here. I'm like, wow, I'm like thinking my brain is going just a mile a minute right now. So what are you I, thinking? I, now I let me really be a coach here. So what are you thinking? What is going through your mind? Yeah, for me, it's all, you know, I'm just really like checking the things that I learned. Sometimes it's unconscious almost of like, Sometimes you have to check yourself when, when I first read the book, even today, I was like, whoa, why am I thinking, you know, why would I want to give away my gifts? But then I was like, well, how do I give away my gifts? And now listening to you, I'm like, that makes sense. We can, you know, it has to be something that we, that lights us up, like you said, and that, you know, can help other people because you never know how, how that could be. And so, yeah, I'm just like, I feel like I'm enlightened. Ooh. So what would you say is a gift? that you could give away if you chose to? I think one of my gifts is writing, whether that's like resumes or just writing in general. I've always been really skilled and it's something that has always lit me up from a young age. I Mm. just, and that was going to be something I talked with you about next was like, but there was always that thought of, well, I can't make a living from that. You know, and I think sometimes we're so indoctrinated into some of the society norms of like, these are the jobs you have to go into that you tend to ignore your innate gifts or Mm. you tend to, you know, like you said, you overlook them or you kind of put them on the back shelf. And so, you know, what would you say to like some of our listeners who are maybe like me thinking, wow, I do have this gift, but I've always been told I'd never be able to make anything of it. You know, what, what would you say to that? Um, do some fact checking. <laughs> um, so you're you're the one speaking on behalf of the listener, right? So I'm just going to work with you. So where did you hear this from? Uh, I think I started to hear it like either from my peers growing up and then even some like, even some of my teachers, you know, like, oh, well, you know, that's not, writing is not a very high paying job or something like that. And so, and then, you know, even just like, family too. Like, well, you know, you can't make a lot like, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to make a comfortable living on that. And so there was Mm. like all these different forces that were like coming from the outside that were like starting to alter the inside. Got that. Yeah. So your friends, family were all saying, Hey, you know, you can't make a living from that. Now I'm not, I'm not saying this to challenge them, but how many of them had written before or had been authors and like how, how well can, how, how, what's the best question for this? How did they know or what did they know 
that made them so certain that you wouldn't be able to make money off of that? I think it's almost like fear, you know, like I think people want the best for you and their idea of the best is like, you know, having a lot of money. And so they push their fear of like not being enough or not being, Mm. you know, having enough onto, onto their kids or onto me or onto you. And so they just, they do that out of love, but then, you know, we start to, we start to have the cycle of like ignoring our own gifts. It's almost like generational. And so, you know, I think, what would you, cause I'm sure there's listeners who may be thinking, wow, that's like my family. I see they have these gifts. I see yeah. they've had them forever. You know, how do I break that cycle? Mm. What would you say to them? How do you break the cycle of them sharing, spreading the fear or using their gift or what? Yeah. Like how would you break the cycle of them, you know, ignoring their gifts for something uh. they think they have to do? <laughs> well, the good news is that there's no answer to getting other people to do stuff. Mm. <laughs> oh, and my gosh, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> I, for many, many decades, I've tried so hard to get people to do stuff that they don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm clearer now. I, 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 it comes up every once in a while. I'm like, no, no, but this would be really good for you if you did X, Y, Z especially the way I'm telling you to do it. That's Mm -hmm. the best way. (laughs) Um, I think for you or others that might be listening and noticing, Hey, I have a gift. I've been told or conditioned or, you know, fearful or apprehensive or whatever the word is that's kind of kept you from sharing it willingly and generously. Part of it is, you know, who is it that you want to be in life? I think always is, is, it's too easy to talk about strategies for how to do things, right? Even though I'm talking about being strategic in your circle and being strategic and sharing, you know, sharing your strategy with people. It's, it's interesting to pause before you actually start doing something to determine, well, who is it that you want to be in life? Like if you, so let me ask you just so that we make this real and not so philosophical. Mm-hmm. If you had to give me three words for the kind of woman, professional, daughter, whatever role you want to pick on, three words of who you'd like to be. Like, for example, my three words are, I want to be conscious, I want to be connected and creative. What would your three be? Mine would be, I want to be courageous. I want to act in conviction. I know that's not one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be compassionate. Okay. Ooh, three C's too. <laughs> Courageous, conviction and, conviction and compassionate. And so when you think about being those three words, right? And rather than focusing on what you can tell others to, or how to influence other people to give their gift or to not, you know, to not hold back their gift is how can you show up in that way? Like, what would you do or say either to friends and family or for yourself? that could be courageous, conviction, and compassionate? Well, I would just show up as myself. And I know that that kind of seems simple, but I would just act in a way that is wholly me and not trying to be something else for other people. Because I think that is something that sometimes I know has definitely affected me is, you know, trying to be putting out the image of what I wanted people, what I thought people wanted me to be. So I think, you know, being courageous is being myself, standing true and in, in who I am and my principles. So, you know, acting with conviction, 
but also understanding, you know, that everybody's on their own journey and sometimes they won't understand. They may not understand me at first. It can, it can you know, not everyone's going to like you. And so sometimes that's about compassion. You don't have to, um, you know, dislike the other person. You can show them compassion and understand that maybe your journeys aren't meant to be together. Yeah. And then they're not wrong. I mean, none of us are wrong, really. I mean, mm-hmm. in the, in the, grand scheme of things there's things that I've doubled down on in life that afterwards you know with a little perspective and some age and a few graves I'm like oh actually it was not that big a deal <laughs> or it could have gone either way right mm-hmm. and so um, I think a big part of how to support people and giving their gifts or two things that I've always found really work is a use yours give yours away so if writing is your thing and you're finding you know, what are some meaningful ways that you can give your gift away? And that could be, you know, you, I would say you're giving your gift away right now by hosting this podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to be writing a blog later on about some of the highlights, but perhaps that's, that's giving your gift away and doing it in a meaningful way. Right. Mm -hmm. There's also ways, but so that's one way is to actually give yours to whomever, but just be a model, an example, right. Of what it is that you'd like to see happen in the world. And then the second piece is invite people. People love to give their gift away. Mm-hmm. They really do. But here, where I want to be cautious is, it's not like they like giving their stuff away, <laughs> right? <laughs> so even those friends of mine that I reached out to that supported me in building my business, a lot of it is when I shared my strategy with them, letting them know, hey, look, here's where I'm struggling. What do you know? Who can I go to? Then the conversation naturally led them an invitation to, can you support me with that? Or who can you tell me to, because they didn't have to say, Hey, I'll give you a gift, you know, a subscription to QuickBooks, or I'll take two hours of my day and show you how to, you know, file for LLC. They didn't have to do any of that, but they could have pointed me in the direction. They're giving their gift doesn't necessarily have to look a certain way, but what we want to get comfortable in is making an invitation. Right. And generally in my experience, especially if there are people who are in your circle, meaning you've built trusted safe relationship with them mm-hmm. that they know that you're not just you know out to out for number one and trying to get your own that there's really a, a space for them to contribute in a way that's meaningful like for so both end up feeling good then that's those are the people that you want to connect with and invite them to offer their gift and it doesn't even have to be to you you don't have to be the beneficiary you can say hey i have this thing going on um and, you know, my niece or my colleague just would need, you know, some extra support. Is this someone that you could support or who do you know I, that I could go to? Hmm. Yeah, I hope our listeners are taking away a lot of golden nuggets from this conversation because there are. And, you know, we're coming to the end of the podcast. And one of the things we like to do is to share resources, sharing our gifts. Mm-hmm. What resources would you recommend for our listeners to really own their gifts, you know, OMG or just any resources you feel are important for, for our listeners? Yeah, well, I think the the resource that's been helpful for me, and I mentioned it in the book, is the book Strength Finders 2.0, which is a self-assessment. And what I love about that assessment is that it just gives us language. So part of that owning our gift is sometimes you don't even know what to call it. We don't have a definition for it. And it doesn't always come in the shape of a job title, right? The mm-hmm. gift doesn't always writer, 
right? Or it doesn't come with that definition or that, that specificity. Sometimes it could just be like one of my gifts is ideation. I love brainstorming ideas pretty much about anything. I specialize in ideas that are about how to connect people in interesting ways, but Hey, if you have, if you need ideas and brainstorm for anything, call me up. But I didn't know that. I didn't have a word for it until mm-hmm. I did that assessment. So I think the assessment strength finders is really good. Uh, a person that I follow on LinkedIn and Instagram is Marcus Buckingham. He's actually the person that introduced not just me, but the world, I think, in his time when he was working at Gallup Organization, he introduced this idea of strength finders in the commercial professional way. And I love following him because he'll have little tidbits and he'll put, you know, a little video up of ways that people can continue to shift their mindset. And he's one of the few people that I hear on a regular basis validate some of the things that I believe in around strength. So I would say follow those people. Um, a third, a third resource would be get a coach. You know, for some of this stuff, if it's really, oh, wow, I don't really know, and I'm not certain, and I don't know how to figure it out, engage a, a, a leadership coach. It doesn't have to be me. And please don't come to like, oh, you said you're going to give your gift, Valerie. <laughs> Does your gift come with a discount? <laughs> it doesn't have to be me. But, you know, definitely if, if, if I appeal to you or my, my talking points are resonating, feel free to connect with me. You can go to my website. I imagine you'll put this in the show notes. Yes. But, um, but really find someone in your community that you really, that you resonate with to help you explore the topic. I think some of the challenges is we're trying to do too much on our own. Mm-hmm. Our, I'm learning this the hard way. I've always been strong, independent, assertive person. And, and it's gotten me really far in many areas of my life. And it's completely stopped me in others because yeah. <laughs> this is hard to just, I got this. I got this does not go very far sometimes. And so learning how to engage other people, how to connect and create teams and get support is huge. So build yourself a team, even if it's a mentor, someone that you can have a regular conversation with to uncover and unearth what those strengths are or how you might find ways to give it away or resources to master them, like all of those things that come out of conversations you have with good people. Wow. Well, I hope that our listeners enjoy those resources that were just shared. And again, we will share Valerie's information and resources in the show notes. And Valerie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure, Angelica. I really loved our conversation. Thank you so much for reflecting back and, you know, and sharing some of your own challenges and and desires and I don't know who knows because that's the other piece. When people hear what you're up to and you just shared, like writing is something that you're gifted at and something you've always loved, you might find all of a sudden new opportunities come to exercise your gift. So Hmm. we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Join the Latinas Rising Up in HR community today. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Latinas Rising Up in HR. We'll see you there. Thank you for joining us on the Latinas Rising Up in HR podcast. If you loved what you heard or learned something new, please let us know by sharing, leaving a review, and subscribing. We'll see you on the next episode.